Just take a breath, okay? Your mom needs our help. That video, Gatiss, it's not good. Kingpin will not take this lightly. He's going to react, and he's going to do it in a big way. Clint, this is my mess to clean up. You should go home. You should be with your family. You can still make it in time for Christmas. Kate, you're my partner. Your mess is my mess. I'm not going anywhere until this is finished. Christmas is the time to say I love you. Share the joys and laughter and the tears. Christmas is the time to say I love you. And the fear that lasts all through the years. Hello and happy holidays once again, Popheads. Welcome to the landmark, what is called a landmark issue? Issue 200 of the TomCast Popcast. I can't believe we're here any more than you can. How'd that happen? My name is Tom. I want to thank you so much for listening to this quality, independent pop culture podcast. Please make sure you're following us on social media. We're at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. And hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for all the support. Uh, again, ish, uh, we've done, we've done technically, we've done over 200 of these. But, uh, you know, some of the smaller episodes, we didn't, we didn't really number. They were little bonus shows and things like that. But it's still a uh, crazy thing to consider. Just just bonkers crazy. So <laughs> thank you all for being here, especially if, if you were... Uh, here from the start, if you've been listening since the first issue, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's not a slight to new listeners. Welcome aboard. We're so glad you're here as well. And uh, it, awesome. I'm just blown away. Blown away by all of it. All right. Uh, I want to thank the official members of Pophead Nation before we get into our, our, our episode because, again, without them, uh, we would have probably not made it to 200. <laughs> let's, let's be perfectly honest. Patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. Join the nation and gain access to sweet bonus content. And bonus content that will be changing dramatically in 2022. Stay tuned for that. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, Jeff co-hosting the Ringing Ear, check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, and our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Crystal Pariah Brewing Company right here in San Diego, California, and of course, coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, and of course, the Silent Assassin, he who shall not be named... Thank you all so, so much. Truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, and again, I know I've been promising it, and it's happening later today. Patreons, uh, you're getting a special message Wednesday night. Uh, and uh, there will be a message for regular listeners on Friday about some big, big changes coming up that I wanted to inform everybody about. But we're not dealing with that right now. We are here to focus with our, our, our with like, oh, almost like a, like a hawk eye like precision 
on the season one finale of Hawkeye, episode six. So this is Christmas, question mark. Obviously a reference to the, the John Lennon Christmas tune from so, so long ago. This episode is directed by uh, Reese Thomas, written by Jonathan Igla, who was the guy who helped bring the show to life. And uh, wow, 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 wow. I can't wait to talk about this one. So much in this one, we, you know, we sort of previewed it on, on, on the other, other episode. So many plot lines coming to a head in this episode. So many things to, to try and land. And, and listen, I'm just going to say right now, I think this episode lands just about everything it, it goes for. You know, yes, there is some, some questions about some things still. Uh, but this wraps up really, really nicely. I was uh, just completely delighted by, by what we saw. The, the culmination of the, of the storyline taking place on Christmas Eve. And, and here we are just, just days away from Christmas Eve ourselves. Uh, again, just I was absolutely delighted with this entire series. And I think this finale lands so many of the things it was trying to do. Uh, and we're going to talk about that on the other side. You know what? We, whoa, whoa, whoa. Simmer down, fella. You know what we have to do first. You have to sit down. You have to buckle up. Hold on to your butts and buckle up again. Let's go. The Roman running around the city. An Avenger has taken an outsized interest in our operations. And the Bishop Woman, she thinks that she can quit her job as if she works for Goldman Sachs. And Maya, my Maya, she's turned on us. Yeah. What will we do about it? The people need to be reminded that the city belongs to me. So there you go. You heard it right there. Vincent D'Onofrio, excuse me, back as the kingpin, picking up the, the role that he uh, he played so, so well on, on Netflix's Daredevil adaptation for, what, was that three seasons they did that show? I can't even remember anymore. It's been so long. How did you all think, what, or excuse me, what did you all think of, of his return, of his uh, appearance, of his performance? Was it Was it in the same vein? Was it spot on with what he did before? I, I sort of wondered if he was a little bit different, if maybe this is a d slightly different iteration of Wilson Fisk than what we know from that Daredevil series. Uh, it, it, to me, and again, I, I don't remember the, the, the way Daredevil ended all that well. So uh, I, I, may be, I may be a little out of date with my information because I don't remember if, uh, if Wilson Fisk had, had sort of fallen from grace, if you will, by the end of that series or, or what, because... Uh, he may still have the title of Kingpin, but he does not seem necessarily like the Kingpin as he was on that series. Not the, 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 the high-end, high-tailored suits, uh, not in skyscraping buildings. Uh, he seems much more a uh, man on the street, much more street level in this episode, or in, the, in, in his uh, Hawkeye iteration. Uh, and and uh, again, I'm trying to remember his fashion sense. I, I remember like very fa fancy suits, tailored stuff, you know, him living... Uh, this very sort of aristocratic life, even though he was a, a street rat, basically, who, who picked himself up and, and turned himself into the, the kingpin and you know, sort of inserted himself into high society. Uh, this version doesn't seem to be that way. This version seems to be much more 
uh, again, like I said, street level, you know, the Hawaiian shirts underneath the suit. Uh, there's a, there's a spot where he's wearing a hat, like a, like a kind of like a Panama fedora style hat. Uh, so I, I'm curious, do, do you all think that this is the exact same Wilson Fisk that the Netflix universe is now being incorporated into the MCU? Or is this going to be a slightly different version of Wilson Fisk? When, when, when Charlie Cox comes over as Daredevil, will it be a slightly different version of Daredevil and, and Matt Murdock? You know, will that costume be a little different? Will there be some, some sort of alterations uh, to sort of take the darkness uh, from those Netflix shows out and make it a little bit more MCU friendly? And these are the sort of things we, we've, we've been asking for a little while now, and we don't really seem to have much more clarity. I don't know uh, if down the road the, the Kevin Feige or, or anyone at Marvel will, will address the specifics of, of all this. Uh, you know, are the, are the Netflix shows specifically like, like a parallel dimension, part of the multiverse? Uh, and, and it's just, yeah, the, Matt Murdock is, is Charlie Cox in the MCU and, and Vincent D'Onofrio is the kingpin in the MCU. Uh, but yeah, other than f physical appearances, maybe, maybe that's kind of the, as where the similarities end. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious what you all think. Uh, and, and again, I am forgetting, uh, I, I am forgetting the end of, of, of Daredevil on Netflix. I don't remember, uh, if Wilson Fisk fell from grace, but again, delighted to see him in this role. D'Onofrio is fantastic. He is so intense. Uh, I mean, j just watching him deliver his lines and, and as he's listening to um, Eleanor Bishop sort of lay out her, her demands of, of why she's going to leave the organization and you're just seeing like that, this like twitch under his eye. It's just, it's so intense and creepy and, and D'Onofrio is, is so good at pulling these things off. Uh, and then other scenes where he's just, like, he was so sweaty in one scene. He was so sweaty and it just... The, the the burning intensity of that man is just off the charts. And I, I again, I am delighted to see him back as the kingpin. So whether he's the same iteration uh, from the exact same iteration from the Netflix universe or, or a new new version of whole cloth, uh, I'm just glad to see him back in the role. Uh, very, very much so. And and uh, a welcome addition. And I guess we have to ask the question, what just ha what happened at the end? <laughs> is is D'Onofrio still part of the MCU? mysterious endings indeed uh you know we're going to break down the episode we're going to talk about very specific plot points uh but we're not, i don't know if we're going to go beat by beat because there's so many different things to get to uh you know you can go by character character to character uh and, and sort of follow the trajectory of the show because it's it's just this episode in particular is just rife with so many great moments between the characters themselves whether it's a confrontation between kate and her mother uh kate and yelena kate in the kingpin then Clint and Yelena, Kate and Clint versus the Tracksuit Mafia. I mean, there's so much great stuff in this episode. It is so action-packed, so jam-packed, but so good at still having like those little quiet moments for the characters to breathe and, and develop their relationships and, 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 and forge their relationships even more, which I, I think this is one of the things this show has done so, so well, is that it has it worked in some really top-notch action sequences, but it has given these characters a chance to connect in a way that we don't get to see very often in the the MCU films. So this has been, a, I have really been impressed with this series. Uh, and if you told me a year ago that I was going to be loving this Hawkeye show as much as I was, and don't get me wrong, I was in the bag for this show to begin with. Like I was like, yeah, okay, I'll watch the Hawkeye show. It'll probably be pretty good. I love this show. I love the show so much more than I thought I would. <laughs> and that did, that, that does not change with this episode because I think this might be one of the strongest finales of the MCU Disney Plus shows thus far. 
and and and, and yeah, I mean, let's I mean, let's talk about that scene with Kingpin and Eleanor. Again, the burning intensity, but Eleanor's convictions that that she can get away from the Kingpin. Uh, what's interesting about that sequence is is learning why, why Eleanor is is linked up with the Kingpin, and the mistakes that that Kate's father had made in the past. You know, they talked about some financial difficulties in that very first episode of the show going back. And we find out that there were consequences because uh, the money, the debts, the, 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 what he owed was to Wilson Fisk. And Wilson Fisk does not forgive a debt just because you die, just because you die in an alien invasion, just because the Chitauri show up and blow up half of New York. Your, your debts are not forgiven by the kingpin of crime. Uh, so Eleanor has to, has to sort of... Uh, Pardon the expression, but get into bed with Wilson Fisk and, and his criminal organization to to pay off the debts owed by Kate Bishop's father. So, it, but an interesting sequence, and then this forces uh, Kate and Eleanor Eleanor to try and have a have a Eleanor. Excuse me, Kate is very much trying to get a hold of her her, her mother, but it, it's not happening at first. Mother avoiding her at all costs, avoiding everyone at all costs. It won't be until we get to the Christmas party, the Bishop. Uh, security firm Christmas party that they'll actually get to have their moment to, to chastise each Kate to chastise her mom and and Eleanor to try and defend herself uh, um, it's it, again great moments between these characters uh, particularly like Kate wrestling with the fact that her mother is is a criminal and is has, has aligned herself with bad guys and bad people and killed Armand at at the request of Wilson Fisk this is stuff for her to process but it gets us to that wonderful conversation at the beginning of the episode where Clint finally calls Kate his partner. And the reaction, the, the way that Kate processes that, getting to hear what she's been wanting to hear this entire show, uh, it, it's such a wonderful moment. It's such a great way to kick off this particular episode. Uh, as, as, Kate, or, sorry, as Clint has sort of accepted that this, 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 is part, this partnership's happening, uh, he and Kate are, are, are a team now, and it's, it's no good to fight it. He can't stop Kate from doing what Kate's going to do, and he sure as hell is not going to let her go do it by herself. So he, he, he partners up. He admits it. He makes it official. They made it Facebook official. That's not a term anymore. No one cares about that anymore. But, but a, a great moment, a great way for this show to kick off. And, and come on, you had to get a little emotional when, when he said it because you, you, know, you know how thirsty she's been to hear him say it. And, and for, for Clint to, to, to say it at the beginning of this episode, if your ears didn't perk up and you get a little get that little lump in your throat, you're dead inside. Dead inside. <laughs> uh, we also get some great Clint and Kate moments after this as well as the decision is made in order to help Kate's mom hopefully break away from the kingpin because Clint knows the kingpin. He knows the kingpin's not going to take Eleanor's uh, uh, quitting uh, without some sort of retribution, without some sort of payment of... of flesh and blood uh they they decided it's time to to gear up and it's time to make some cool trick arrows and it is such a again a such a wonderful moment because of, of clint's downplaying of, of of trick arrows earlier in the in the episode and it is in fact clint who can make his own trick arrows it's him with a soldering iron some chemicals and some tools and you know magnets and all kinds of other other crap all that i don't know how it all works but it, it just sort of makes sense and it's such a wonderful little montage you know, Kate, you know, with the label gun, making the labels for what the arrows are. And uh, it's just a really great moment for the characters to kind of come together before the big battle. You know, it's kind of like the calm before the storm. And and Kate gets to tell Clint uh, 
her her story basically like like why Hawkeye why Clint Barton in particular uh, is is so important to her and I want to go ahead and play the clip and I'm gonna play the whole damn thing because uh, at this point I really give a fuck what Disney says about me uh, playing clips on my show so here we go check it out when I was younger aliens invaded I was alone and I was terrified but then I saw you fighting aliens with a stick and a string that's how you jump from that building even though you can't fly even though you don't have superpowers and I thought if they could do that then I didn't have to be scared You showed me that being a hero isn't just for people who can fly or shoot lasers out of their hands. It's for anyone who is brave enough to do what's right, no matter the cost. I'm ready. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I have said it before. I've said it a thousand times. This show is is completely carried by, by Haley Seinfeld's performance. I absolutely adore her in the show. She is so good in this role. She is so good with her performance. And and it's it's I, I think maybe going into it, maybe people didn't quite understand what was gonna be happening with the show. That maybe that maybe they thought this was the, the Clint Barton show, and it kind of starts off that way. But by the end, look at us by the end of this uh, by the end of the series, by the end of this run. What have we transitioned to? Kate stuff. Big time Kate stuff. It's Kate's relationships with these characters that are now driving the show forward. It's, it's you know, Clint's sort of our doorway, our entryway, but clearly the mantle is being passed. And it is made for such a strong show uh, because, because Haley Seinfeld can carry the show. And I think she's done a fantastic job with it. And we're, we're going to talk about the other relationships she has, particularly the relationships she seems to be forging with Yelena Belova, which is just a goddamn delight. I, I uh, whenever these two are on the screen, it, it, it lights up. It's just fun. They're so charismatic. They have a, a good relationship, a good rapport uh, as, as actors. They, they, it just seems to work. Their, their personalities, um, they clash and click all at the same time, and they're a goddamn delight. I can't get enough of, I can't get enough of them. Uh, <laughs> but this scene in particular, like, like again, another a bit of an emotional core that to, to inject some heart into the show to make you get the feels a little bit. And that moment at the end where, where Clint sort of uh, uh, has to uh, has to smile to himself even um, at what she's saying uh, is and, and and him kind of confronting the fact that he's he's done some good things out there and and I, he's actually inspired somebody you know usually usually I think from Clint's perspective it's the big guys it's Thor it's Cap it's Iron Man it's it's all those the super powered individuals that, that get the accolades and the attention but but uh, Clint Barton himself uh, has has inspired a new a new hero and uh, I, I think he's sort of dismayed and, and, and uh, happy about it all at the same time. It's, a, it's just a really, really nice scene. We should talk also, we got to talk about Maya. Maya's in this episode. Echo in this episode uh, coming to uh, big conclusions, big decisions. And she's going to leave the, the Kingpin organization as well. And, and, and Kazi as well. And, and she has to go clear her head and leave this Ronin stuff behind. But they know she's lying. They know it's, it's a setup. And Kingpin is not happy about that. 
So, so Kingpin's got a lot of things going on. He's got to worry about getting Eleanor back in the fold. He's got to deal with Maya. And obviously he's not stuck about Ronan and Clint Barton running around. He's still unaware that the two are the same individual. So he's not liking all this stuff going on. Uh, but the interesting part with, with the Maya stuff is when she shows up later in the episode, uh, totally as a, a um, not a hero in the, sen- in the sense, she's, she's still pursuing her personal vendetta, but her timing totally throws off uh, Kingpin and Kazi from doing what they're doing, attempting to kill Clint, Clint, Kate, and Eleanor. And it turns into a really, really good fight. And there's a good sequence between, another good sequence between Kazi and Maya, who have had a really nice uh, kind of low-key relationship throughout the show, throughout the run that we haven't talked about in, in any great depth. Uh, but these characters obviously have a history, a connection. And, and you know, he's obviously the character who can connect with her the most, who can communicate with her the best. And his refusal to go with her, his fear of leaving the kingpin, uh, leads to him dying, Kazi dying at the hands of Maya. And, she, uh, you know, as, as brokenhearted as she may be about it, uh, she knows that she can't stay with the kingpin, so it had to happen. So a, a great sequence, and this is that that all happens a little bit toward, more towards the, the third act and into the climax of the show, but the Maya stuff comes into play in a big way, big bad way at the very end, end of the episode too, because we're going to ask ourselves, oh, so what are we doing here as we lead into the Echo series that's supposed to be coming out next year? Uh, what who else do I want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about okay, because we're gonna, we're going to get into the Christmas party. We're going to get into uh, you know let's mention the Larpers. The Larpers are going to be part of. The, the, the team, they're going to be the eyes and ears at the Christmas party. They're, they're, they're doing the catering, the coat check, all that stuff, so, which, again, adds to some comedic elements. We get to see, we get to see, we get to see Jack. <laughs> Let's talk about Jack Duquesne for a bit because this might have been, like, the biggest red herring in, in the entire series because, you know, after those first two to three episodes, I think we were all convinced that Jack Duquesne was going to be a much more a sinister, nefarious bad guy than what he turned out to be by the end of the series, which was just, he was kind of a goof, right? He's just kind of a weird, douchey, goofy guy, right? And I don't even know if douchey's a, douchey might even be too strong of a word. He just was kind of a goof. He's walking around that party with a sword after being accused of stabbing a guy to death. Like, I don't, I don't quite know what this guy's wavelength is. Like, how, what, 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 what level is he operating on <laughs> that he's just walking around this Christmas party with a sword on his, on his waist, um, <laughs> and he gets some good moments and he gets some funny moments, but by this point, I think we all have to realize, and if we didn't piece it together last episode, uh, and I, I, I was sort of resistant to the idea because I was like, oh no, there it's, it's a trick. He's going to totally reveal himself in the finale. Uh, no, he just revealed himself to be kind of a, you know, upper crust bonehead, you know, a bumbler, if you will, pretty good swordsman. He, you know, did some good stuff with that sword. You can tell he's pretty handy with it, but yeah, not a, uh. An uh, epic criminal threat. Uh, he, again, sort of he, Tony Dalton sort of played up as comic relief in these last couple of episodes uh, in in a very strange way, uh, particularly in in his efforts to sort of uh, keep wooing Eleanor Bishop, despite the fact that she was the one who turned him in and got him arrested and basically framed him for murdering Arna, um, Armand. So, a, a crazy character. And again, if you if you told me after the first episode. That oh no! By the end of the show, you're, Jack Duquesne will be revealed to be like a sword-toting buffoon, <laughs> and I would have been like, no, he's gonna be much more sinister than that. So I, that was sort of an interesting turn. 
Uh, again, I think it was a bit designed to be a bit of a misdirect, keep us away from thinking that the Kingpin was involved with the series, even though by the second or third episode, Kingpin rumors were swirling and, and we were all sort of sort of thinking it. Uh, so yeah, it, interesting stuff in, the, in that sequence. But it was fun to see uh, Jack kind of sort of kind of aiding Clint and and uh, and Kate in in the heroics against the tracksuit mafia with some with some very fancy swordplay in in the in the big climactic battle there at um, at uh, uh, Rockefeller Center. And again, I, we should talk about that setting real quick. Uh, I mean, we've we've seen the setting a thousand trillion trillion billion times, especially at Christmas time. Rockefeller Center, the giant tree. The, the whole shebang, uh, for them to have so many set action pieces at Rockefeller Center uh, on the ice and then uh, ultimately destroying the Christmas tree that's so iconic. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've never seen the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree destroyed in any film or, or TV show uh, in, in the history of anything. So, so kudos to Hawkeye for doing something at Rockefeller Center that I've never seen before. They, they, they shot those arrows, got those straps, then, you know, acid arrow to the trunk of the tree to let it collapse into the ice. Pretty wild. Again, I don't, I can't recall any time I've seen anything even remotely like that in, in a movie or a TV show. So big, big kudos for doing something I've never seen at Rockefeller Center, and I loved it. Uh, and this sort of, we, we haven't talked about Yelena, because we're going to do that right now. But i got to take a quick break, so I'll play another clip. And then it's time to talk about Yelena Belova. So, I know you're chummy with my mom, but I gotta say, I didn't think you'd make the cut for the Christmas party. Kate Bishop, I'm not here to ruin anything. I'm just going to kill Barton, have some appetizers, and then we'll go. Well, I hope you enjoyed the bruschetta, because it looks like you already lost him. He's in the elevator. Well, yeah, at, what, out of 65 floors, you think you're just gonna magically guess which one he's on? 12th floor. So up until the Christmas party, Yelena's presence had mostly been felt through uh, her sending Kate the video. Apparently she was monitoring or bugging the surveillance uh, of the Kingpin's office there. So he was able to record and transmit that meeting between Eleanor Bishop and the Kingpin of Crime to Kate, exposing everything that was going on, revealing Kate's mother and everything, and her connections to criminal organizations. Uh, but up until the Christmas party, we hadn't seen Yelena. And then she makes her presence known, and her and Kate have a jolly good fight through an office floor as we move. The, 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 I really like the way that the sequence was shot as, as it sort of like pans uh, from right to left as we're following them as they, as they sort of battle their way across this floor of the office as Yelena's attempting to make her way to Clint Barton to kill him, and Kate is trying to stop it. It's, it's a really good sequence. The sequence on the elevator is a lot of fun as, as they sort of, as, as Kate's attempting to stop the elevator and they're getting all tangled up and, and, and you know, Yelena's using her skills to kind of keep her away from it. And then like the big reel of the costumes and, and just really, really good stuff. Uh, and then obviously the big moment for Kate is when she has to go follow Yelena out the window uh, and, and Kate has to overcome her fear and, and make that big heroic superhero leap down to the street on that rope. Uh, uh, really good stuff. Meanwhile, Clint's in a Christmas tree, <laughs> which is just awesome. Uh, and, oh, it's so good because then this leads into, like, again, the huge action set piece of, is, is Kate and Clint versus the tracksuit mafia, which there are so many more of them than I think we all expected to see. Uh, but it was great because they, they, they blow up good. They get thrown into things real good. They, they get shot with shards of things really good. I mean, 
it's a really great action sequence. I was really delighted with the use of the arrows, with the way the two characters, the way Clint and Kate are, are maneuvering around each other, the way they're working around each other. Uh, I love uh, Kate's appearance, arrival on the scene, using the ice to slide across the ice and just you know mow people down with her bow and arrow. It's a really great action sequence. It sets up uh, so much good stuff, spins our characters out a little bit. Again, this is at the same point when you know, Kazi's still up there with a sniper rifle because he's been trying to pick off Clint the entire episode, basically. Uh, but he's still up there, and this is when Maya shows up to, to put an end to him. Not directly. She's trying to get him to go with her, but ends up killing him anyways. Uh, and then then it, it comes to, to Kate going to find her mom and Yelena arriving on the scene to deal with Clint. And just a really a great emotional fight between Yelena and Clint, as as both characters are sort of forced to confront Natasha's death um, um, in in new ways that they hadn't considered, and 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 Clint sort of having to forgive himself for Natasha's death. You know, he sort of has to come to terms with the fact that he couldn't stop her. There was no stopping Natasha when she had her mindset to things, and he has to he has to convey that to to Yelena to try and get her to understand. And Yelena has to process her grief. It's 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 really her grief that's driving her. It's not this thirst for revenge. It's it's this this idea um, that that she would be with her sister if 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 Clint could have stopped her, it could have stopped Natasha. And they both know that that's not the case. That that wasn't going to happen. But Yelena's so grief stricken, so blinded by her grief and her frustration that of not being able to have time with her sister. I mean, remember the timeline. You know, it it, it was less than a year after these two had reconnected, that, that Thanos comes and changes everything and takes, takes them away from each other once again. And, you know, you, you, we saw Yelena blinked out of existence, comes back five years later, and her sister's dead. Um, and, uh, again, sort of, sort of having to come to terms with not even being there when, when your sister's gone, when your sister dies, not even being able to, be, to do anything about it. And it's, it's a really great emotional sequence uh, the dialogue's on point. The the acting's on point. Yelena and, and Clint, uh, Florence Pugh and, and Jeremy Renner just do a great job. You know, Clint sort of just defending himself, not really going on the attack too much at all. It's, it's a very defensive fight for him uh, because he understands her uh, her anger, her frustration, and and her grief, and he sees that. He knows that. And so I want to play the end of the. Of the sequence, because at this point, if Disney hates me, they hate me. So <laughs> we're gonna play it. I want to play the the tail end uh, as as Yelena is as it dawns on Yelena um, that there was no stopping once Natasha had set her mind on 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 sacrificing herself to save everyone. That that was gonna be what happened. You got so much done with her. Yes, I did. It shouldn't have gone this way. If I was there, I could have stopped it. I could have, I could have changed it. Nothing was going to stop her, Elena. You know Natasha. <laughs> she made her choice. We're gonna have to find a way to live with that. I love her so much.
with you. And this is how those two characters sort of come to come to an understanding with each other, if you will. And and I should preface it that this moment, this pause in the in the fight, because uh, at this point, it looks like Yelena's going to kill Jeremy Renner or Clint Barton, um, in, until Clint does the whistle, the whistle that Natasha and and Yelena did as kids, uh, and and it causes Yelena to pause and and to ask her ask Clint like, how do you know that? Why do you know that? Uh, and, and sort of reexamine. Her, their relationship with each other, um, that, that, that Clint was, uh, you know, her best friend and confidant and, and told her all about them and, and their life together before this. Uh, so, yeah, Yelena's forced to confront things from a whole new perspective and, 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 and look at her grief in the eyes. And it's, uh, again, I think the performances in the sequence are, are fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's really just, just delightful. So much good stuff in this episode. And, again, it's surrounded by these great action pieces. You know, we're, we're talking about the tracksuit mafia getting blown up all to hell over Rockefeller Center, uh, and it's so much fun. <laughs> and then we go to to uh, 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 Kate trying to rescue her mother from the kingpin who's about to kill her in her car, and then Kate willfully going into a a, a physical altercation with Wilson Fisk. She is shooting arrows into his chest, and he does not care. He just pulls them out and snaps them like twigs. And he tosses her around like a rag doll. It's it's it is a huge mismatch. It is it is classic kingpin action from the comic books. I mean, this is what he does to like superheroes, let alone just a normal person with a bow and arrow. Uh, and it, and Kate's forced to rely on her resourcefulness. He snaps all of her trick arrows, drops them on the ground, uh, and it, it isn't until like again we think this character's on the ropes. We think Kate's on the ropes, and that that that, that kingpin's gonna get the drop on her. And Kate deploys the the button trick that, that Clint taught her in the, in the, was it one episode ago? Two episodes ago. Now I can't remember. But we see the trick put to use to arm the, air, the, the lethal arrowheads and, and, and blow up Wilson Fisk. And not blow up in the, in the, in the uh, murdering sense, but like, you know, re- blow him backwards, knock him out, and end the fight so that she can save her mom. And, and it, it works effectively. Kate gets out there, gets her mom, and then promptly has her mother arrested on Christmas as, as Eleanor Bishop is so quick to remind her that she's having her own mother arrested on Christmas. But, you know, Kate is a hero now. Kate's going to follow the side of right, and she's got to be brave. And, and that requires doing the right thing even when it's family. And, and that's exactly what she does. And her mother's hauled away in handcuffs. Uh, the police go in to find Wilson Fisk, but he is gone. We see him stumbling through an alley, a bit more blown up looking than he was before the fight. And that's when Maya makes her next appearance. And she pulls a gun on Wilson Fisk. And the, and the camera cuts away. And we hear a gunshot. And what sounds like it might be a body falling to the ground. But we don't know because we didn't see anything. So I, we, obviously that, that has to be the moment. At least I would, I would openly speculate that, that is the moment of which we will, the threads we will probably pick up on when the Echo series uh, debuts sometime next year. Uh, I don't think... I don't think it's a stretch to say that I don't believe Wilson Fisk is dead. I don't think you bring Vincent D'Onofrio back and then kill him, uh, quote-unquote, off-camera. Um, if you're going to kill the, kill the kingpin of crime, you need to show it. Uh, you can't just cut away to another alley and maybe hear, maybe hear what sounds like potentially a body falling to the ground. No, no, no. I suspect there's more to it than that. And, I, I, again, I hope D'Onofrio is back in the, in the MCU in a big, bad way. And uh, this is not the only show he's on. Hopefully he's on Echo and... 
a new Daredevil show. We'll see how we'll see how it all shakes out. So that's sort of our episode here, and we get our we get the happy Merry Christmas ending. Clint goes back home. Uh, Clint takes Kate and Pizza Dog, aka Lucky, and they're all going to spend Christmas together and and do the whole family thing. And then we get Kate return. Or I'm sorry, excuse me, Clint returning. The, the watch. The watch has been the impetus for so much of the show, and we finally get to learn the secret of it. It is his wife's watch, Laura's watch, and we see the emblem on the back. Shield is the shield emblem, the shield logo, with the number 19, implying that she is, in fact, Agent 19 of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, depending on how you want to look at things, either means it's another twist in the knife to fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this TV series, or if you're just a fan of the comic books, you're like, wait a second, is Clint Barton's wife really this person? Uh, and again, I don't want to get too dorky on you here, but Agent 19 from Agents of the Shield, the show, and from the comic books, was Bobby Morse, aka Mockingbird, Clint's the love of Clint's life in the comics. Uh, but Clint was not on Agents of the Shield, but Bobby Morse uh, was, played by Adrian Padalecki on the TV series. Uh, and a couple of other Disney Plus shows have sort of taken, um, I don't know, shots isn't the right word, but have sort of done things to contradict Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being part of the MCU. Uh, so if you're a fan of that show, this is another shot at, 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 at your show that it doesn't mean jack shit in the MCU anymore. Uh, so the, the implication that Clint's wife, Laura, is in fact Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, the, the hero from the comic books. And again, we, we, we talked about on the show. Uh, I think it was two or three episodes ago when Clint's on the phone with her and, and they're speaking German to each other and she's been able to op- reach out to old field operatives and get all this information and, and uh, intel, if you will. And you're like, who's, who's this person? What's her past story going to be? And I guess that's when we should have connected the dots to the watch. But at that point, we didn't realize that the watch was hers. I mean, there was nothing to – I guess there was enough there. Looking, looking back at it now, I guess there's enough information uh, to what Clint uh, to the the clues that Clint gives us that it's really just his wife's and it's, there's no other uh, connection to anything else. I think we we looked for a bigger connection because that's what the MCU has sort of trained us to do is to look for these larger connections to bigger characters and to bigger heroes. On a show like this, it makes so much more sense that it's a smaller connection to just someone important to Clint, uh, aka his wife. So that's what we get. That's what we have. And I, again, I have no problem with that. I think it makes total sense. Uh, and, and, the, the, and I'd love to hear the, if there is, is more uh, backstory there for uh, uh, his wife, if, you know, if she really was Mockingbird, if she really was Bobby Morse at some point, if, it, if the Bobby, Bobby Morse or even Mockingbird is some sort of uh, 007-like identity that can just live through the ages, I would love to hear more about that. That'd be fun as hell. Uh, so then we're around the farm. Uh, Kate and Clint decide to burn the Ronin suit. Closing the chapter, that chapter of, of Clint's life, and by extension, Kate's life as well, since she since she donned that suit for a brief time as well. You know, one thing I didn't mention was was right before the big battle against the tracksuit mafia, after right after the Christmas tree has come down onto the ice, uh, Clint's moment when he where he's taking off his uh, his uh, I think it was a tuxedo, and and sort of revealing the costume that the Larpers have made for them underneath, and and sort of Kate's joy at seeing him in it and, and, and his sort of acquiescence to the fact that, yeah, maybe Hawkeye has a branding problem. <laughs> it was such a nice little moment. It was so well done, just like everything else on this series, uh, just extremely well executed. 
the, the comedic beats in the show worked so well because they were timed so well and they were done with such earnestness and um, not not taking away from anything else. It, it, it wasn't in the middle of the action sequence that they, they have this, this riff with each other. It wasn't in the middle of some big emotional moment that they, they do this this costume bit. No, it, it's, it's really, really great. Uh, and then, of course, the episode ends on uh, Kate trying to settle on a new name, and Hawkeye, Clint Barton, has a suggestion, and that's when we cut to the big title banner, which is just says Hawkeye. And, yeah, I mean, no big announcement if there's going to be a season two or anything just yet, but I assume there will be. I assume, uh, you know, Jeremy Renner may be back in some capacity, but, but I think Haley Seinfeld on her own would be fantastic. This could be a great vehicle for Florence Pugh to be on as well, her and, and Yelena teaming up, Kate and Yelena teaming up. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have more Young Avengers in the fold by then. I believe uh, America Chavez is going to be making her debut in uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So maybe that's a character that comes over. Obviously, Miss Marvel's going to have her show. So there's a lot of potential to move forward with a, with a season two of the Hawkeye series. And, and uh, you know, we don't know anything just yet. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of teases, a lot of things still up in the air, a lot, a lot of stuff to figure out. I mean... You know, do we do we catch back up with Jack Duquesne in some capacity and, and, and see if he becomes more nefarious or if he hangs up those LARPers to hang to sharpen his sword skills? Or, uh, um, you know, what happens next with the Kingpin? Will that be followed up on in Echo? Uh, we have to know what's going to happen with Eleanor, right? Is Eleanor going to go to jail at some point? What's her relationship with Kate like at that point? How's, how do things change? How do they go on uh, being a mother and daughter after, after a situation like that? Uh, so, yeah, there's still a lot to explore. Uh, uh, Clint's storyline's fairly cleaned up. But I think Renner could have a role as a, you know as a, as a mentor uh, moving forward, and you know it obviously it would be up to Renner to how much he would want to participate in the show. But they didn't kill him, so the option's always there for for Jeremy for uh, Clint to come out of retirement and you know help out his uh, his uh, his I don't know protege isn't the right word, but like his, his sort of namesake, if you will. So yeah, uh, again, I love this show. I was so delighted with it. It it, it actually ticked just about every box I wanted to see it tick. It did a great job of being a holiday show that Marvel's never really done before. Having being set around Christmas, great use of Christmas music, and and uh, uh, you know popular songs. You know Disney paid paid the money to get those popular songs in, into the show. Great action pieces. Uh, we we talked about Reese Thomas directing this episode. He did a couple of the other ones. Burton Birdie did a great job directing their episodes. Uh, so many great action pieces. So much great comedy. So many fun moments in the show. And and. Character development in this show was was spectacular. This might be, this might be my favorite Marvel show, and I loved Loki. I, I absolutely loved Loki. I loved WandaVision, and I really really liked Captain America. I think I wanted that or Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think I wanted that one to be my favorite, um, and maybe I put too many expectations on it. But I have just been just so delighted with Hawkeye. Uh, I love the the street level stakes. I lo- I love the smaller worldview. You know, kind of focused on Kate Bishop's family and and you know the the circle around that, and then getting introduced to these new characters, spending more time with with Yelena Belova. Uh, Florence Pugh's fantastic in that role, uh, getting to meet Maya and and, be, and being so uh, seamlessly incorporated into her world, and and effortlessly incorporated into her world, and and being captivated by that character, being very interested in that character and their journey. So yeah, and and Kate Bishop just fantastic, just a fantastic character. That, that has been brought to life in a way that I, I, um, I honestly wasn't sure what to expect um, when, when we knew this was coming. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not like the world's biggest Haley Steinfeld fan. I, you know, I, I know her work, but I, I don't get excited to see Haley Steinfeld movies. 
Uh, what's the last one she's in? Bumblebee? Good movie, but hey, I don't know. Can she, can she be a Marvel character? Turns out she can. She's great at it. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. More, please. Yeah, make more of this. I would be ecstatic. I know she's doing that uh, Emily Dickinson show on Apple, so I guess she has to work this show around that show. But hey, whatever. They're talented actors. They work on schedules. They're, they're, they're good to go. So I absolutely love this show. I, 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 overall, I think I give the series like a 9 out of 10. I, like I said, I really liked it. It worked on, on so many levels. I love Kate's approach to things in contrast to the way that Clint does things as, as sort of like the secret agent man versus like the, the young kid. I, I, I can't want to say the, the millennial word, but the millennial is not, not the right terminology anymore. So until I can remember what the correct terminology is, I just have to say this youngster, this young, this young, up and, this young whippersnapper versus the old Clint Barton man. And uh, I, I, so good. I was absolutely delighted by what I saw. So check out this show. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably checked out this show. But let's go back and watch it again. Let's have a good time. It's a good show. I can't, I can't wait to watch it again. I'm going to watch it on my phone at lunch tomorrow. Excited. <laughs> all right. I want to thank you all so much for sticking around, uh, listening to me review the, 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 the shows, the episodes, all the good stuff. And, and uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. I, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you all soon. Soon, soon, soon. Before we go, I, I do want to thank, once again, the Patreons, the official members of Pophead Nation. Well, you could sign up at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. Join the nation, gain access to the bonus content, which is changing drastically very, very soon. Uh, thanks to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail, Jeff's co-host in the Ring in Ear, a great music podcast, so check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Chris of Pariah Brewing Company, here in San Diego and coming soon to Baltimore. The Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, and the Silent Assassin, He Who Shall Not Be Named. Thank you all so, so much for being here. You all, again, like I said, happy, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas if you're in the UK. Um, happy New Year, all that stuff. Every holiday this season, uh, if, if you celebrate it, have a good one. If you don't celebrate it, just take care of yourself. Have a great day. Uh, uh, and hopefully enjoy the day off if, if, you, if you have it off. And, and, uh, uh one one final appeal, uh, just just because I know, you know, I I love the holiday seasons, but uh, you know it's not for everybody. And if you know anybody out there in your life who uh, gets gets down this time of year, uh, please take take some time to reach out to them. Uh, just say hello, touch base, make sure they're doing okay, and and be there for them uh, if they need uh, a, a, a shoulder to uh, someone to talk to. You know, just be there for them. Uh, that's that's probably the best thing you can do. And uh, if anyone out there is listening and, and you're, you're worried you don't have someone like that, please, please, please know that you can, you can seek help out there. And there, there are uh, professionals who, who are there to, to help you out this time of year and all, all times of year, really. But, yeah, this time of year in particular. So don't be shy. Don't be scared. And, and uh, yeah, because if you listen to this podcast, we're all family in one way or another. And uh, we all want to take care of each other. So uh, reach out to me if you need to. You know, you know how to find me. All right? Everyone take care. Again, happy holidays. We will talk very, very soon. The Get ready for the bonus show that's dropping on Friday, and you'll hear about big, big changes in store for the podcast. And uh, you can uh, direct your ire at me on the usual stations, usual methods, Tomcast Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and you can email the show, tomcastpopcastgmail.com. I look forward to your hate mail. Thank you so, so much. Uh, let's get out of here. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Ciao, babes. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to, to the Rangers. For the Indians, 
One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Great story, compelling and rich. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions!